Welcome to the At The Yard Podcast. We got a full show for you today. Steve Doherty's going to preview the SoCal Pro Case. Nathan Rohde, National Supervisor for Prep Baseball Reports, going to join us to recap the draft and take a look at the upcoming Pro Cases this weekend. And Blaine Clemens will join us to take a preview of the NorCal Pro Case coming up on Sunday. Stay tuned for that show. Welcome back to the At The Art Podcast. I'm pumped to have SoCal Area Scout Steve Doherty join me. Doe, it's been a pretty fun week, man, going back to Saturday for us with an event, then the draft, and then, you know, a tournament and a, another event. And it's, it's been a really fun week, huh? It has been. In, in the wake of the draft, um, and congratulations to all Southern California players that, that were drafted and selected and um, there's still a process to go after this is done for them, but congratulations to all. It was a great week and, and, uh, stoked to talk about, you know, what's, what's coming up here. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, obviously we'll stay on the draft here for a second, but you know, obviously the big, big, uh, name coming out of the draft there was Keone Cavaco going in the first round. I had seen him a few times, Doe, and, and you got eyes on him several times this year and you got eyes on him in the championship game. What are just your initial impressions of him as the 13th overall pick and potentially, you know, where that slots him with the Twins in, say, you know, three to five years? Yeah, they are definitely um, looking at Keon Kavako as, as as in a long-term plan type of way. Um, Obviously, this kid is is tooled up with with athleticism, Um, you know, some consider five-tool player, but when you're picked first by an organization, they believe in you. Uh, they they see big plans for you, and and if someone buys into that, an organization really, you know, loves this player. They uh, they got what they wanted, and um, I see big things coming for Keona Cavaco, no doubt. Yeah, and interesting that they drafted him as a shortstop, right? Given that Royce Lewis is there, and and you know, obviously. By all, by everybody's account, the heir apparent to that position there for the Twins. But pretty interesting note, right? I mean, they could potentially have Cavaco at third, Royce Lewis at short, and then Spencer Steer at a Millican High School in Long Beach, who they drafted in the third round over at second base for a little all SoCal infield there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen Spencer Steer as well, and he just had an amazing career over in uh, at Oregon. And congratulations to him as well. And you know, being drafted at a certain position is almost you know, besides being a pitcher, you know, middle infielder, it's it's almost semantics. Um, you know, shortstop, he was you know classified as a short, as a shortstop in the draft, but you know, he could be a super utility player at the big league level. You you just you just never know, but. You know, when you, when you look at it, you see Royce Lewis at shortstop, Keanu Guapaco at third base for the Twins, and you know if that happens in five years, then um, then they're on time. Yeah, and holy smokes, man, that would be uh, unreal. You know, another another name that uh, a couple of names for me that that went uh, in the draft that I'm, I'm really happy for these guys just because they're both great kids, right? And that's. Uh, Joe Naranjo at uh, in the third round of Cleveland, Cody Freeman in the fourth round of Texas. You know that answered a lot of questions, right? Because those those are two of the guys that had a lot of questions going into the draft in terms of where do they fall in the pecking order. Uh, you know, you know both of those guys, particularly the Freemans, 
Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about those guys. Yeah, no, they're definitely buying the bat uh, for Naranjo, and you know maybe the position isn't is isn't a lock, but uh, there's some flexibility there. Um, they're buying the bat with Freeman uh, and, and Texas. I just thought it was just a, a great pick all around. Could be another kind of super utility player at the big league level. Uh, he's got some bloodlines, obviously, with his brother, and uh, really smart pick for the Rangers. Lo- loved it. Yeah, I think uh, Joe going back to Naranjo, you know, showed not only in scout ball in the fall and a little bit in the spring here that, you know, the transition to right field is not going to be a steep one. I don't think for him. So I think I really like that pick in the third round by Cleveland. A couple of other picks, just of note: Evan Fitterer in the fifth round of Miami, pick number one forty one, pick number one forty six in the fifth round, Garrett Brichette out of Olu. Jordan Brown going to Cleveland in the sixth round. I think that's a steal, though. I really, really like Jordan Brown. I know you do, and and so do I. I mean, I got to see this kid for a couple of years now. He did the scout ball circuit, and um, he he had a good start to the year, and and we were on him. And there was you know not just him, uh, of course, but uh, you know there was a few other guys on that team too that were in the in draft discussions, and and some of those guys got drafted as well and some of them didn't as well so um you know Garrett Frechette as you mentioned they were buying the bat he just he had a slow start due to injury um you know battled some mono early on uh, injured his hand early on but I think they were they were buying the bat I mean that left-handed swing plays man I, I love it I think it was a great pick uh, for those guys and um we could talk about this all day less but uh uh, you know all, all the draft picks and 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 why we liked them, but um, yeah, pretty no pretty cool. One last little note on Frechette there. Uh, that imagine that left-handed bat at the uh, Giants uh, Stadium there in San Francisco is going to be. Uh, the, if that gets there, that could be special. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what they comped on him. You know, maybe they're seeing Brandon Belt a little bit. I'm not sure. A um, little bit of a different kind of left-handed swing, but uh, he could play first man. He's got some athleticism and. And uh, I, I can't wait to see, you know, 20, 25 pounds of muscle packed onto that frame. So pretty neat. Yeah, no doubt. So congratulations again to all the California high school players, particularly the, the SoCal players here that Doe and I talked about uh, drafted here in the MLB draft. But before the draft uh, this week, Doe, we had the opportunity to host the Inland Empire Future Games Trials. It's uh, basically a trials showcase event where uh, we had over 40 players come out in the 21 and 22 classes, uh, evaluate them, put them through a pro-style workout, and we are selecting some players to go with us to the Future Games, uh, a team that you and I will be a part of as we go back to uh, Lake Point and just outside Atlanta at the end of July. We'll talk much more about that in future podcasts, but I just want to dive into some of the standouts here from the Inland Empire Future Games, games Trials. Uh, you know, we started with the 60s, uh, put them through a little defensive work, or pardon me, BP, defensive workout, put them through our hitting wheel, uh, finished off with bullpens. Now, who are some of the guys that you saw? Uh, you know, a lot of these guys we saw during the season, so it's, it's pretty fun to see them in a different type of setting. But uh, who are some of the guys that you saw that stood out? I mean, give us a name that you know we can start off here and, and just kind of kick it off here. 
Well, there's uh, you know there, there's many names I can go over. Of course, um, you know with, with the with these events, it's it's it, you know in a showcase style of event, it's it's who stands out, right? Less, and and that might mean you know someone uh, with maybe less athleticism or less talent has a great day, or, or vice versa. So. Um, you know what we try and do with these things is not not make it very stressful, but put them through some of our measurables that will um, that we'll be able to you know take a look at and make a decision on these guys going forward um, and who are going to represent you know our state out there in Georgia. Yeah. Um, but and, and just to to that point, a lot of these guys you know we had seen during the season. I think I think yeah I think the total number was something like seventy. Six percent of the guys that were at the event we had notes on prior to the event, just having seen them during the season. So that's important too, right? So we we have a foundation with which to work on with many of these guys. Absolutely, and and on the other side of that too is that I haven't seen a lot of these. Some of these guys were playing, you know, on their JV teams, you know, their freshman teams, obviously. But uh, it, it's a great opportunity for us to get eyes on them, and and they're there are standouts. And so, uh, for me last, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and start with Andrew pile over at La Mirada. We, this is one of these guys that we do have notes on and we have seen him before. Uh, I believe he's been at, at one of our events, uh, earlier as well, but really athletic catcher, uh, out of La Mirada. Obviously we know the story coming out of La Mirada coming in 2020. And, um, but, Darius Perry, who is a starting catcher at La Mirada, also drafted this year, is now exiting. Uh, Going to make the decision whether or not to go to UCLA or, 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 or start his professional career. But this kid, Andrew Pyle, is going to fit in re- really nicely. A 2022 uh, kid that I was just super impressed with. Uh, he took a great round at BP. And what I was super impressed with less was his defensive athleticism. He, he had an idea of how to manipulate some of these pitches, even though, um, you know, he gets, you know, five or six opportunities to really show what kind of, you know, framing skills he has, how he gets underneath the ball, how he moves and uh, man, super impressed. And, uh, Andrew Powell is that guy. I know, you know, him. Yeah, for sure. And when he was catching the bullpens, I think, you know, you and I were looking at each other, just kind of like, holy smokes, really big. Pain. You talked about his athleticism for a catcher ran a seven, two laser time 60, uh, and then we had him four five one home to first, so it's pretty athletic, you know. And I'm going to stick with the catchers because we had a really strong group of catchers at this particular event. And, and I'm going to go with uh, 2021 Jacob Badawi out of Ayala High School. I mean, we yep. had seen this guy. Obviously, he was a varsity starter in the outfield for Ayala mm-hmm. this year for uh, a great part of the uh, the season, a great a large portion of the season for them. And he shows up, and the first thing that sticks out is just how physical he is, right? He's a found out he's a middle linebacker on the football team, and, and he's just really athletic. I mean, he ran a 7.06. He had the best 60 time in the event, so uh, laser-timed and was 4.50, but it's kind of the same deal, right? He frames really well. He's quiet with the body. The hands are soft. They're quick. But then there's the present power in the bat. I mean, it's just yeah. it's really impressive with, with Badawi out of Ayala High School. 
Absolutely. And, you know, th- these are the opportunities where, you know, I, I saw Badawi at uh, their, their last game. You know, they they ran into Harvard-Westlake over there. So I was in on Naranjo. But those are the opportunities for these guys to get seen. And 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 Badawi stood out. And then we get an opportunity to see him here. We had a chance to talk to him face-to-face. Good, polite young man. And and he's he's put together pretty well, as, as you mentioned. And so he was he was a standout. You know, for me too. Another one, less for me, Caden Moeller. Um, I mean, he just kind of made my eyes open wide uh, when, when he took his round. I, he might have hit one or two out, squared up the ball in in the minimal amount of you know swings we had to give him, which was ten. But it looked like he had an idea. He squared it up. This this is a big body guy, and it, you know the ball just it, it sounds different off the bat. And you just kind of you know if 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 you had your back turned. And you and he was in the cage, and he you know he made you turn your head because it it sounds different off the bat. So obviously there's there's some bat speed there, and um, it, it's a natural left-handed swing, which is which I love. And uh, he was a standout for me too. Yeah, I had the chance. Martin to see. Luther King, Martin yep, Luther I, King, Caden yeah, Muller. Yeah, I had the chance to see King out of Riverside against Benita in the D two playoffs, and. He came up in a huge spot. I think it was one or two guys on, and, and they may have been up a run or it might have been tied. And it was fairly late in the game, I think in the fifth, and he, he just destroyed a ball into the over right center field for a three-run bomb that propelled them to the win. And you could tell exactly what you're saying right there. It just sounds different. There's some bat speed. He's a pretty athletic kid, too. I mean, he was, had some of the best footwork around the bag at first base, too. So, yeah, Caden Muller had a king of 2021. My, guy, my next guy... I'm going to go down to Rancho Bernardo in San Diego. We had seen this guy before last summer, Jackson Castillo. He's a 21 outfielder, but he looks more solid physically, and he just looks more comfortable playing the game. I don't know if that's because, I mean, heck, it's been a year since we really bared down on him, but he just looks a lot more comfortable. Had an 88 exit velocity. He ran pretty well. You know, for a guy his size, he ran a 718, and you know, he's really smooth in the outfield. Just big fan of, of Jackson Castillo. He's a 21 outfielder at Rancho Bernardo. He showed really well, and uh, we'll be seeing him. I believe he's coming to our state games uh, later in the summer as well. That That's awesome. I got, I'm going to stay with you right there with Rancho Bernardo and go Charlie Fick. And, um, you know, if you, if you recognize the last name, um, it, it's the Fick you're thinking about. He's got a bloodline uh, with, with Chuck Fick, with Chucky Fick, with Christian Fick. The Fick family is uh, famous in, in, in the baseball world, and uh, he really impressed out there today. It's just one of those guys that has a good-looking good frame on him. Um, he's He's young. He has an idea of what he's doing, and that just kind of stands out to me. Last one, guys, just you know, have a feel to things, and and he's got a feel for kind of everything he does, and you know, at the plate, uh, in the field. Jeff Bombach's got something good uh, going on here in 2020 for for Rancho Bernardo. So awesome to get these San Diego kids down here because uh, you know we love those guys too. Yeah, no, Fick showed showed really well, and you're right. RB does have a loaded program. And for me, though, my my last guy, and 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 I'd be you know remiss if I didn't mention him. And that's 2022 Jaden Steinhurst out of Quartz Hill High School. He's a guy we had at our preseason All State. Uh, kind of tweaked his hammy running, so he didn't finish the event. Uh, so this is the first time we got 
to set eyes on him, you know, for, for, for real, I guess you can say. Uh, you comes out, and, and we're talking a guy that's, what, 6'4", 6'5", probably 200 pounds, 195 pounds, went out and ran a 7'15", laser time 60, just destroyed balls, had, I mean, led the event, the exit velocity, 96, uh, I, I mean, and then went out to the outfield and was really smooth, had an 85 outfield velocity, I mean, and then he jumped on the bump and he led the event, touching 86. I mean, this is a guy who just all around had a huge, huge day uh, and is a guy that I'm excited to follow the rest of the summer yep. because I got to imagine that, uh, you know, he'll not only be at, at some of these bigger events uh, that, that we'll be at, but, uh, you know, just following him with his team as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that's that's awesome. And I just want to mention two other guys because I mean we can mention a ton, but Makana Olaso, Martimirad Mesa, six two one eighty five catcher, third baseman, uh, really impressed. And the other guy that uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say, and now it's Cole Howarth, two thousand twenty one first base outfield out of Chino Hills, just a big athletic frame, uh, you know, plus bat speed squared it up in the, in his rounds. And I was really, really impressed with him as well. And, you know, you take a look at these young kids, 2022, 2021s, and these are almost grown men at this, at this point. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, but had to mention those two guys. Yeah. Howard, uh, I think, you know, after he ran a seven, three forty, and then after he took his BP ran, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was you mm-hmm. that looked at me and said, <laughs> and said, that's an SEC body. And I said, yes, 100%. I mean, he's like six, three, like one ninety or one eighty five and just chiseled and, it's like, dude, like that guy's not done growing, folks, and he's really, really good. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a guy that we'll be seeing a lot more of here uh, this summer. But let's transition out of the Future Games trials, though, uh, into this Saturday. Uh, we are hosting our SoCal Pro Case. Uh, we've got close to 40 players. It was a very selective, invitation-only type event. Uh, that focused on primarily committed players who we feel will have an opportunity to uh, hear their name in the 2020 draft. Uh, So we're running this in SoCal on Saturday. We're doing one in NorCal on Sunday, and Blaine will be joining us a little bit later to break that one down. Uh, But, Doe, I'm excited about this event, man, with some of the names we have on the roster that are coming uh, you know, let's let's dive right into this, man. What do you what are you looking forward to the most with the uh, pro case coming up on Saturday? I, I'm I'm just looking really forward to you know getting the measurables. Everyone's really excited at this point. It's 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 you know we're turning the page on on the draft class and we're looking to the 2020s. But uh, you know you know looking at the big picture that this is you know, early. And so how I want to look at it is, Hey, I want to get some measurables here. I want to, I want to see how these guys, you know, not necessarily perform, uh, in the showcase, but just see if they're, you know, relaxed or, um, you know, they're, they're not stressed out and they're just kind of letting everything, um, you know, play their athleticism, their, you know, their tools, what have you. So, you know, it's early and I'm super excited, but I also think, you know, there's a long, there's a long way to go um, till till next June third. Yeah, no doubt. The thing that excites me about this event is you're right, the measurable. So we'll we'll get a foundation to start our summer, right? Because we're going to see 
probably all of these guys that are at our event at the area code tryouts in six weeks. And then mm-hmm. we'll see a good portion of these guys at the area code games What a, a, about a month after that or three weeks after that, right? And then we will see just about all of these guys during scout ball and fall ball. So it's it's going to be it's awesome to be able to just track all that stuff. And I'm glad I'm glad you brought up that point about the measurables because I mean that's what it's that's what it's becoming now, right? Is is all about the measurables and to be able to kind of track that starting here on June eighth through. I mean, let's face it, the end of the high school season next year. Right, so I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to have eleven months worth of data uh, on these guys, which is awesome. I love it. It's 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 a great opportunity for for all involved. And and I know you mentioned, you know, every you know most of these guys are committed. But what I'm excited about is the guys that aren't committed, who we who we feel that um, are, are going to put their name on the map. If you haven't heard heard about them already, but you know, there's opportunities there for obviously pro scouts. We've seen it before. Un- guys uncommitted going into the season, all of a sudden they're, you know, draft picks. Um, and so you just never know. But I'm really excited for for those guys that are actually uncommitted um, to, to show what they have and, and perhaps, you know, put their name on the map. Yeah, you're right. We have a few of those guys. And, and, you know, one of those guys that I'm really excited to see is Jacob Vargas, the big right-handed pitcher out of Bishop Ahmad. He's actually a two-way guy. He's going to swing it as well. But, I mean, here's a guy that I saw in December out at the Palm Springs uh, tournament out there. And, and Joe Hoggett said, hey, Les, you know, keep an eye on this guy. He's got a chance. And, I mean, it was a cold night in December out in the desert. And, I mean, he was 86, 87. I heard he's been up to up to 90, 91 in the spring. And here's a guy just kind of flying under the radar. He transferred into Bishop Ahmad. But, Big-bodied guy, you know, six two, six three, physical build. So, here's a guy where this type of event could be huge for him. Mm, absolutely, not not only him, less um, you know, a ton of other guys. I'm I'm really excited uh, for Alonzo Richardson out of Helix at 2020. Obviously, you know, shortstop. Just committed to San Diego State. His athleticism plays everywhere, man. He, you get him on the bump, he's up to 93. And we don't expect him to be 93 on Saturday, uh, you know, but, uh, and he just played in, in an all star game uh, over at Petco, I believe it was. Um, maybe it was last night. And uh, really excited for, for him. Yeah, the, the the guy that I'm really intrigued to see, and I saw him twice this year, and we saw him at a couple of our other events and, and saw him last year is Isaiah Marquez out of San Dimas High School. Uh, because I think we, we said after our, our underclass games last year at USC that, you know, if this young man figures it out with the bat, he could be dangerous. And he came off, I mean, he hit close to 400. He may have been over 400. I know he was leading CIF and RBIs at one point late in the season. I mean, just had a huge season for San Dimas. He's a St. Mary's commit. He's one of those guys, big physical, 6'2", 6'3", outfielder, who can run, who can hit. So I'm I'm really excited to see how he performs here come Saturday. Well, that's awesome. I love that kid too. Paul Skeens, for me, last next one up, Adel Toro, the catcher, committed to Air Force. Um, we've seen him before. He got off to a real hot start. And this, this bat... This bat really plays, and uh, you know, really physical kid, six five, two twenty five. You don't you don't see a lot of catchers do that, but uh, 
he can roll the pole, man. And and I'm just excited for this kid. You, you know, if you're committed to Air Force, um, you don't take too many guys away from Air Force, um, you know, in the draft. But he is a name that that definitely deserves to be in that discussion. Yes, you are 100% correct. And and on all those fronts, right, that's going to be really uh, intriguing to see what happens. Obviously, academics are uh, very, very important for him. Another catcher uh, that I, I want to see in, and we saw in January at the preseason All-State is Tyler Imbach out of Palos Verdes. Uh, he's a USF commit. He showed really, really well at our preseason All-State and Russ has seen him a few times during the season and you know it seems like the bat's starting to come to life for him and I'm just I'm I'm excited to get eyes on him again. Russ says he's a little more physical now. Uh so obviously he's he's starting to you know take some shape there. Uh so you know there's a guy, the other catcher I'm excited to see is Garrett Gillamet, right? I mean, he's one of the the best defensive catchers that we have in SoCal. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to see, you know, if he's going to take that next step with the bat. I think based on the, some of the stuff I'm here, I'm like, that's close. You know, he's a guy that I think you're a fan of, too. Right, though? I'm buying the bat big time w- with Garrett. And we've seen him now for is going to be our third, fourth year, you know, watching this kid come up, Oregon commit. Um yeah, the bat the bat really plays defensively. Um, you know, I want him to gain some more athleticism behind the plate, but he can really, really present really well. And uh, you know, we got a good catching class in in this one this you know this year as well. And he's obviously one of the names at the, at the top you want to talk about. Um, I, I'm I'm excited for you know unless we could talk about these guys all day. There's what 31, there are 32 <laughs> of them. But you know, I'll, I'll, let me talk about Jordan Andrade uh, out of Ukaipa. Uh, you know, these guys came off, uh, off a CIF title a year ago and came up short, ran into, ran into the Centurions over at Cyprus there this year, but he's a middle infielder committed to Washington, really athletic plays can play on both sides of the diamond. And, uh, you know, this kid can really hit too. Yeah, he's he, he he's a guy that's very very athletic. He's intriguing, right? And I like what you said that he can play on both sides of the diamond because, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out you know even potentially uh, you know the outfield if if that is where it needs to be come pro ball. Uh, but though you touched on, on on Alonzo Richardson out of San Diego, and you know I want to stay kind of with that San Diego contingent we have coming mm-hmm. up because we got a, a pretty good group of kids from San Diego coming up and. Uh, Jack's done an excellent job kind of evaluating all these guys and some of these guys we've seen and uh, you know Trevor T. Shankle out of Poway, uh, Jordan Thompson out of Helix, two guys that you saw more than once this season. Uh, a guy I, I, I'm really intrigued by is Thomas Sagisi uh, out of Carlsbad High School. He just recently committed to Pepperdine. He was on the JV team at Torrey Pines last year, and just you know, blew, and blew up this. I mean, listen, that, that that team won the Open Division Championship and had D one guys all over the yard. So uh, you can't blame the coach there, right? But then this guy Sagisi just blows up, and we start getting calls. Jack starts seeing him, starts tweeting videos. We start getting calls on him. Seems like everybody on the West Coast was in to see him, and Pepperdine uh, landed the commitment recently. So congrats to those guys. Uh, but here's a guy that hits for power, uh, and and is has the tools to potentially stay at shortstop. Uh, moving on. Listen, man. I mean, kudos to Jack. I mean, he slayed it out there this year, and and uh, he was in on Sajisi, and and 
he made us a believer of him and, and what a fantastic job by identifying him. Um, just, just awesome, man. You know, there's there's a couple guys on more than a couple guys on this list. Less that um, we're gonna let Rody discuss some of the some of the big name guys, but I'm gonna go with Isaiah Green out of Corona, outfielder committed to Oregon, another Pac-12 guy. I think we got. If I look down the roster here, we have three Oregon guys, and I don't know what the total number is on on, on the Pac-12 we got showing up, but uh, left-handed bat, area code guy as well. So. Uh, you know, really natural left-handed sway. He's got some power in it. He's going to be a name that's going to pop up come come draft. Um, excited to see him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Isaiah's. But, uh, yeah, so that'll be Saturday, Hart Park, 9 o'clock. We're getting started. Uh, if you want to see some of the best players uh, in the area, that's where you can find them. But, though, one other place you can find them is going to be the Great Park and some surrounding areas. PBR Tournaments is coming out to California their initial tournament, uh, the PBR Tournament State Games. It's running, uh, it actually starts today and runs through Monday at Great Park and a bunch of different high schools. Uh, just some loaded teams, man. There's some some really quality teams in each of these divisions. There's a 14U through a 17U. Uh, it's about a dozen or I think it's 16 teams in each division. Uh, so there's just some some really good teams. I know that, uh, Doe, you're heading over there a little bit later, as will I. Uh, and, uh, you know, should be a good one. I'm excited for it. Good to get out there and, and hit the trail again. And, and please, if, if you recognize us, come, come up and say hello. If you have any questions, just, just give us, uh, you know, just, just ask. Um, we're always there to help and super stoked for PBR tournaments and, and, and the tourney over here at Great Park. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Del, well, appreciate it. I will see you over at Great Park a little bit later this uh, this afternoon and throughout the weekend, and definitely see you at Hart Park for the Pro Case on Saturday. All right, Les. Thanks, man. We'll be right back with PBR National Supervisor Nathan Rohde. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. I'm pumped to have our next guest on with us. Uh, joining us is Nathan Rohde. He's the National Supervisor for Prep Baseball Report. Rohde, thanks for coming on, brother. I know you're coming out here, bringing the show on the roads, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> wanted to catch up with you before you hop on a bird and fly across country to see us and, and just wanted to chat. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to getting out to the best coast. Um, hopefully, uh, checking out a few of my favorite spots for dinner or something in Long Beach. But uh, looking forward to seeing some players and getting started on 2020, a whole 48 hours after the draft. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, hey, Rody. That's one of the things that I, I really appreciate about you is even you know you're you're an East Coast guy, and even despite that, you recognize that the West Coast is the best coast, and you always have. No, oh, well, the weather is fantastic, and I just love that I can you know get up in the morning in the fall and have a f- college football game on at nine, and the World Series game is over by eight, and I can still grab a drink and not be up till one in the morning. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it certainly has its advantages. But Rody, you touched on it a little bit of forty-eight hours after the draft, and 
you know, let's kind of take a look at that draft from a, from a California standpoint. And you know, obviously, it just wrapped up yesterday, and we're going to set our eyes on next year's draft here in a couple of days. But let's talk about some of these guys that were taken out of SoCal. Anybody really stand out to you uh, for where they went, or maybe a guy that wasn't drafted, uh, you know, out of the California area? Uh, well, I think obviously. If you're going to talk about California, you got to talk about Keanu Cavaco and the and the rise that he had through the spring. Obviously, missing some time last summer with the injury, and uh, you know, launching up boards, uh, you know, during uh, the spring season. Obviously, you guys uh, knew all about him, and we heard quite a bit of buzz on him. And uh, I was a little surprised that he went 13th. Not that we didn't hear the first round buzz or that he's not worthy. Uh, it's just you know, the Twins with their model, it usually leans pretty heavy college. And when we were doing our mock draft. I had heard Cavaco was in play for them, and I decided I was like, you know what? I know this guy's going to go in the first round, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw him in there at the Twins. And everyone, all the feedback I got was, uh, Twins are it's a college model, college model. And I was like, I, I understand that, but I feel pretty good about this. So I'm going to stick with it. And sure enough, they popped him at 13th overall. Um, so that uh, to you know to see where he was before the spring. Uh, to 13th overall in the draft is uh, is a pretty meteoric rise, but he's obviously got some really good tools, and uh, I think uh, I think the Twins are probably plenty happy uh, with what they got. Yeah, no doubt. I think I remember texting you and Shooter, if not mistaken, after the MLK when when he touched 93 and and mm-hmm. just sent you guys that video and just said, "Hey, this is the guy this year potentially." and uh, sure enough, he, he proved uh, to be just that. You know, a couple of the guys that you know you've seen certainly um, throughout the years. Evan Fitterer went in the fifth round at pick number one forty one to the Marlins, and here's a guy that I saw at the end of the year there in the playoffs, and you know was touching ninety five consistently. You saw him last summer at the Area Code games where he wasn't touching ninety five consistently. <laughs> Um, and, and so the, what do you think about that fit there in the fifth round to Miami for Evan Fitterer? Well, I think, you know, that obviously if you can get a guy, a high school guy in the fifth round that's touching 95, uh, that's uh, that's pretty good value because usually when you've got a guy, you know, with that kind of upside um, touching 95 in the fifth round, it's usually a little bit of a hard sign. And, you know, a lot of those guys end up, if they haven't been taken already, they fall farther uh, and they end up going to school. Uh, so for, for Miami to get him in the fifth round, um, and, and I mean, it, top 10 rounds, 98% of the guys sign. So I'm banking on that he's signing just because the odds play in that favor. Um, I don't know how for how much. I don't know exactly how much money they've um, they've saved. I'm sure they would go at least a little bit over slot there. Um, but, you know, to get a projectable um, high school right-hander with upside and a, a low 90s fastball uh, in the fifth round for probably less than seven figures. Um, I, I would, I think a lot of teams would do that every day if they could. <laughs> yeah, no question. You talk about projectable righties with low nineties fastballs. Uh, Andrew Dahlquist is, you know, fits that category and kind of the Cavaco category with the meteoric rise. Here's a guy who, yes, was committed to Arizona, but wasn't really until the fall last year where he started to take off and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. throughout the spring up to 95, he goes in the third round with the 81st pick to the White Sox. 
you know, Dahlquist, what was the buzz on him nationally that you were hearing? Because, you know, locally, Rody, you'd go to a game and if it's a three o'clock game, you're there at one thirty and you're struggling to find a seat uh, when, he pitched, <laughs> when he pitched late in the season. So what was the buzz on him nationally? What sort of things were you hearing about Andrew Dahlquist? I think he was one of those guys that you, there's probably a lot of names that you can fit in this uh, this category that you know he's a projectable right hander. Uh, you know he's got the arrow up uh, next to his name because you know he had a good fall and it continued to trend upward in the spring, and he's a projectable right hander. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, with projectable stuff, you know, likely in the low nineties fastball, probably the makings of, uh, you know, at least average break it ball. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys have that second to fourth round buzz and they fit in that category. It's just a matter of, you know, which one's going to sign and which one do we want? And there are probably, you know, if Dal if Dalquist doesn't go, you know, maybe, uh, another guy takes his place from Southern California. That is, uh, of a similar profile. Um, but he was one of those guys that you heard his name, you heard he was trending upward and it was a, uh, as we've talked about a, a thinner class for Southern California, high school wise. Um, so guys are out there looking around trying to, you know, find, uh, you know, who's going to go and who's going to sign and who's going to take the spot, uh, and step up and, and be the guy. And Dalquist, uh, you know, surely turned out to be, uh, be one of those answers. Yeah, let's talk about some of the guys at the top of the board, at least from a ranking standpoint. And, you know, we start with guys like Brooks Lee and and, and obviously Spencer Jones had the injury earlier in the year that, that, you know, potentially hurt him in the draft. But guys like Lee, guys like Derek Diamond, uh, you know, Spencer Jones, when those guys go in the 31st, 38th, 40th round like those guys did, or 36th round, excuse me, 5th for Brooks Lee, is that a matter of those guys, say, after the first round have said, hey, we're not going to get our number, mm -hmm. we're just going to go to college, we're going to let teams know? Is that, in your experience, you've been doing this a while, is that kind of how that plays out? Yeah, it, after that first day uh, ends, um, because you certainly can still get first-round talents in that second round and some of those comp rounds, Um you know, after that first day ends, it really starts to uh, the, the bigger picture comes to light of, all right, this guy now realizes that he's probably not going to get his number. So he's going to go to school and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somebody, you know, makes a deal overnight, you know, like the Tyler Callahan's of the world out of Florida, uh, Matthew, Matthew Allen out of Florida. And those guys, um, you know, obviously found out that they could get their number. So they go off the board pretty early in that second day in the third round and pretty much everybody else uh, for the most part, because we did see some guys in that sixth to 10th round range that are still going to sign. Uh, but pretty much everybody else falls, um, and, you know, past the 10th round to the point where when they do get taken, if they don't sign, it doesn't count against your bonus pool. Uh, and then after that, you know, it's really just a crapshoot. Like it just is depends on what team is trying to do what. And, you know, you might see a guy go in the 12th round to see if they can make a run at them. If they've got um, money uh, when it comes down to the signing deadline, when all the top 10 rounders are, are taken care of, or they'll go, you know, like some of the guys you mentioned in 30 something round or the 40th round uh, just because, you know, I've get a lot of people ask me why, like it's clearly that guy's not going to sign. So why, 
are you taking him in the 35th round? Well, there's a few things. One, he won't be a free agent. Whereas if something drastic happens and he changes his mind, he it's not uh, you know open market bidding for him. You have the control of him. So if something does change, you're on you're the only team he's negotiating with. Uh, the other side of it too is that you know you take him and um, you know you develop a relationship with him and you took him out of high school. Maybe you got a shot to take him out of college. Uh, very rarely does that happen because some of those guys you know, end up developing to a point where they're probably not available for the team uh, that took them, or maybe they don't want to take them in the spot that they pick. Um, But there's the idea that you, um, you take them in, in that round. And then sometimes it's, uh, it has to do with, you know, your bloodlines, who your family is. Maybe you've got a family member in the organization and they take you as, uh, you know, kind of a, I hate to say like charity or novelty pick because it's more than that. Like it's just, it's symbolic for the organization, for the player, um, or it's their hometown team. Uh, just because there's the, the, the symbolism to that of, well, this guy was taken by his hometown team. He can always say like, oh, I was drafted by the Dodgers in X round. And, you know, whether or not he ends up playing for him is another story. But it's just one of those things. Yeah, it makes you yearn for the days of the draft and follow, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. There's a lot of I've had that conversation with a lot of people where, um, you know, you see a player and you're like, this guy would be a quintessential draft and follow guy. Like you can, you know, if he's going to a, a junior college, um, you know, you can follow him through the summer and then his junior year uh, or his first year of junior college and, and still sign him before uh, the next draft. Or even, you know, when um, the signing deadline was a little bit later, maybe you follow him a little further in the summer. It's harder to do that now with the de- deadline being only like a month to six weeks out um from uh from the draft but uh definitely not a lot of drafting and following going on anymore yeah definitely not i I like the i like the draft signing deadline being moved up because agreed uh, you know it does a couple of things right it it it, it, you got to be right with the guy you're picking especially Mm -hmm. early uh, but I think it, you know the trickle down is it helps guys who are either a uncommitted seniors or, or are JUCO guys looking to go play college baseball because now there there might be an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have had, right? Yeah, because you know if a guy signs you know in July as opposed to August, that moves up the timeline a month for a, a school uh, realizing that they've got an extra spot or they need to go out and get somebody. Um, the other side of it, the reason why I really like it is purely for the development of the players that were taken and signed in that, you know, it used to be when we were suppressing bonuses and waiting until August for the deadline, uh, these guys weren't playing and they were joining their team in mid August to the point where, you know, they just, they just weren't getting that time in the minor league. So you were essentially delaying their development by a year because really all they could do was stuff in the fall with instructs. Um, and then really starting their careers the following year. Now, because we're not suppressing bonuses and we have those slots and the deadline has moved up, these guys are getting getting out there and they, um, you know, they're starting out in a ball as opposed to maybe extended spring training or something like that. 
Yeah, it's just a fun, fun process. And like I said, you've been doing it a while, so it's always fun listening to you talk about it. So let's take a look at, as we close the door a little bit on 2019 draft and look ahead to the 2020 draft. And you're coming out to California this weekend for our pro case in SoCal on Saturday. You Mm -hmm. might hop on a plane and get up to NorCal on Sunday and cover that pro case. And I mean, we've got just a, a bevy of, of talent coming to both of these events. And, you know, let's talk about a few of those guys that you want to see again, some of them for the second time, third time and some on some occasions. Uh, but who are who's who's the first guy? Let's talk about in SoCal that that you are excited about getting eyes on. Well, you can't talk about SoCal without talking about Jared Jones, right? I mean, <laughs> he's one of the, uh, the top guys in that 2020 class, uh, if not the top guy. Uh, that's an argument I think that we're, we're going to be having, or, well, I won't say argument. I'll say a discussion that we'll be having for the next 12 months uh, at, w- regarding Jared Jones. But, you know, electric and, arm. And, that, and that's nationally too, right? That's not just Absolutely. here in the yeah, state. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, like there's a couple of guys not only that are in the mix for being number one in California, but they're in the mix to be, you know, number one through three or four in the country. So um, a very strong class, as we know, in uh, California uh, for 2020. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing Jared uh, electric arm, um, looking forward to see how the secondary stuff is developing. Uh, but also he's a good athlete and he can swing it a little bit. I do think that his future is on the mound, uh, but he's no slouch at the plate and in the field for sure. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing him. Um, and then, you know, guys like uh, Devin Ornelas, uh, Dalen Reyes are guys that, you know, I saw them as, I think they were freshmen or sophomores uh, when I saw them at Notre Dame uh, in the Boris class a couple of years ago. And just, uh, just good players. Like they, they are like quintessential California West coast ball players. Uh, you know, there might not be uh, a, a plus tool other than running uh, maybe for them, but they just, they grind it out. And there's those kind of guys that you watch over the, a few days and can really appreciate as opposed to, um, you know, maybe a single game or something like that. So looking forward to seeing them. And then Obviously, Christian Rodriguez is pretty projectable on the mound out of Orange Lutheran. Uh, I've seen him a few times uh, and looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, the progress that he's made. And then aside from that, you know, some guys that, you know, I haven't seen uh, that I'll be seeing for the first time. Looking forward to being introduced to some new players and, and following them throughout the summer. Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some guys here that uh, will be interesting follows, fun follows. Uh, you know, a couple of those guys here, at least particular in SoCal. Uh, you know, Brett McCauley's a, a really projectable outfielder out of Redondo. Runs really well, has a you know pretty big arm, can can hit pretty well. Isaiah Green is also a very projectable left-handed hitting outfield outfielder. Both those guys headed to Oregon. You know, obviously, Chad Bourne is a guy you've seen with Olu at the NHSI, and a very good player. Of, yeah, mm-hmm. and a couple other events. Uh, you know, but there's there's a couple sleeper guys, and, and one of the guys that I mentioned to you was was Paul Skeens, who's a really athletic catcher. He's committed to Air Force, and he's out of El Toro High School, and he's a guy, Rody, that I think when you see him, you're going to say, okay, he passes the eye test, uh, and then when you see him hit, I think you're going to be pretty intrigued by him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing that based on, uh, you know, what you've mentioned about him. But also, I mean, you just look at his profile, 6'5", 225 pounds. I mean, that's a big dude. <laughs> so I don't know that if he goes to the Air Force, if he's going to be flying planes. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely, uh, you know, fits the uh, – probably passes the eye test, I would imagine. Haven't seen him in person yet. Um, but when we're when all the players are checking in, I, I imagine that he's going to stand out pretty uh, – pretty easily and i will say that i haven't seen him yet by but uh because of his enthusiasm i'm looking forward to seeing malachi wickley uh when i you know we tweeted out like starting on 2020s on uh, on friday he was very quick on twitter to jump in uh, and saying you know pumping up the the pro case and that he's going to be there and so just for his enthusiasm i'm looking forward to seeing wickley <laughs> yeah he's a he's a fun player to watch i had a chance to see them uh with sarah this year and you know he pitched and while his future is not uh, on the mound, his competitive nature w- was very evident. And I'm excited to see him swing the bat a little bit in this event. Uh, but then after after the event here on Saturday, Rody, you and I are going to hop on a plane and head up north on mm-hmm. Sunday. Sunday, we have a, another loaded pro case going on at Delta College up in Sac- uh, Stockton, excuse me, uh, just outside Sacramento. And you know, again, that's just a, a roster with some some big time names and some big time talent. And a lot of these guys that we'll be seeing here in about, oh, I don't know, two months over in Long Beach, too. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looks like, uh, you know, California is obviously uh, usually strong. Uh, it certainly has it, it, its peaks and valleys at points, but you know those area code teams that we see out there in Long Beach are usually pretty good, and it and it looks like the A's versus Brewers uh, this year will be uh, especially fun to watch because that A squad uh, could be pretty strong. Last year's group was strong, and I, I think this one it, they have a chance to be uh, to step up again and, and give the the Brewers a, a run for their money. Um, but guys like Petey Halpin and Kyle Harrison, I have not personally seen yet. Uh, the fact that they're committed to UCLA, I imagine that they're dudes. Um, but uh, Michael Brown was a guy I saw at underclass area codes last year, physical left-handed hitting uh, um, first baseman. Uh, looking forward to seeing him, uh, of course. And then Tyler Soderstrom, uh, another UCLA recruit, uh, physical dude. Uh, and then I see there's another Susac. I feel like there's 15 Susacs in the game of baseball. Um, so always looking forward to seeing another one of those guys. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Susac, one of the top 2020 catchers uh, in the state. And, uh, you know, the catching position in this class is, is really loaded. And, and Blaine and Ryan and Doe and Jack and Russ and I, we've all talked about this. And he's got, uh, coming to the NorCal Pro Case, uh, we've got six, six, seven really good catchers catchers uh in this class and and the guy christopher leffel there out of uh, pittsburgh high school is a really athletic left-handed hitting uh catcher out of kind of a smaller area uh it will be interesting to see but uh you know you're right i have not seen halpin other than in videos uh that uh, ryan shares with me and and i'm really really looking forward to seeing him uh, mm-hmm. just the, the event itself should be really really loaded isaac aon uh is another guy is a right-hander out of buchanan there in the fresno area clovis area that's uh, got, you know, got a really nice pitcher's body. Uh, so, what, what, you know, what, what are you looking forward to the most, man? Out of, out of your trip out here, what are you hoping to uh, get accomplished before you come back out here uh, for the area code games in August? Uh, just get really just getting started. You know, with the West Coast, uh, you know, living on the East Coast, it's hard to get out there and 
Uh, the fact that I can come out to the pro case and see a lot of these, the pro cases and, and see a lot of these guys and get introduced to them a lot of times, a lot of years outside of, you know, the top, top dudes. Uh, my first introduction to a lot of California guys is at area code games. And sometimes it's like, all right, I see that one week. And then, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll see them again in the fall. So being able to come out uh, for the pro cases and get an introduction to these guys even before area code games and really start to build my own follow list for California, uh, I think is going to be really advantageous. I mean, Jared Jones is a guy that I'm going to have no problem seeing because he's going to be, you know, at like PDP stuff. You know, in the past, he would have been a tournament of stars guy. Uh, and things like that. Um, but to be able to see guys uh, of this caliber and even, you know, kind of looking at that second tier, the guys that are good players, maybe they, they end up going to college, maybe they make a jump in the spring, but being able to see them prior to uh, being in Long Beach for the area code games, I think is going to be uh, really beneficial for me. I don't normally get to do things like that for uh, West Coast guys. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, you bring up some really good points there. And, and Steve Doherty and I talked about this. It's kind of getting data, right? You're collecting data and information, and, and you're making these best possible estimated guesses when it comes to for you example for you, in your case, you know, doing a mock draft or you know, or when we do our rankings, right? So now you're going to have that foundation when it comes down to talking about, say, Eli Payton, the third baseman out of Maranatha. You're going to have a foundation to say okay i remember seeing him here and then Mm -hmm. we saw him here now let's slot him here right because people think that i think um, that we just kind of throw names out and see what sticks and hope we don't anger people but we actually actually do our homework and we go to games and we evaluate players and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of conversation when it comes to ranking so i think Having you out here just provides more, uh, I guess, validity to our rankings on a national level when you and Shooter have the opportunity to see these guys throughout the country. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more eyes you can get on guys, uh, you know, the better and the more looks you can get at someone, the better as well. Like I want to see a guy as many times as I can and really get a feel for who he is as a player. And, um, you know, seeing him at one event while obviously is good, you know, I want to see more like, you know, it, it turned out that, you know, I'll use Brooks Lee as an example. It turned out, you know, that the area code games wasn't a fluke, but he had a huge week there and, you know, just blistered the baseball. And it was like, man, this guy is really good. But at the same time, I was also a little hesitant because I was like, you know, this is the only time I've seen him. Did he just have a really good week or is he actually this kind of player? Um, And, you know, sometimes, you know, that's just the case of how I see a guy and I supplement that you know, by having conversations with you and your staff in California, as well as scouts for major league organizations to kind of, you know, like I said, supplement the information that I have um, so that we can make a, a, uh, you know, a valid and good decision on where to, you know, rank him and evaluate him. Because, you know, I was on another podcast recently and I was talking about this. I am a guy that I think there is, I don't think there is too much information. Like it it can feel like some things get to be information overload. I want it all because I want to, because I feel comfortable in uh, my ability to disseminate that information. Um, So the more you you can tell me, the more info that you can give me uh, to try to evaluate a player, uh, the better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I have a steadfast rule that I won't 
talk about or publish anything on a player I haven't seen at least twice and in most cases three times. So uh, it's just, you know, CYA, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot, definitely plenty of that. Yes, no doubt. Rody, man, I can't thank you enough for uh, making time to hop on the podcast with us. Your your inaugural time on the At The Art podcast, I think it was a great one. I certainly enjoyed having you and uh, looking forward to having you out here in, uh, uh, I guess, tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. I might fly out Friday morning, so I'll be able to drop in on some of those uh, the California State games a little bit, but then get after it uh, at the pro cases. I, uh, I checked into my flight this morning and uh, it was quite the smack in the face seeing the number of flights I have the next four days. So <laughs> uh, looking forward to getting out to the West Coast, hanging out with you guys and uh, getting started on uh, on 2020. Awesome, Brody. Well, we'll see you out here tomorrow. Sounds good. I appreciate it. We'll be right back with NorCal Director of Scouting, Blaine Clements. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by Blaine Clemens as he readies for the NorCal Pro Case on Sunday at Delta College. Blaine, I can't wait to get up to your area for this event on Sunday just to see all the talent that is going to be on that one field. Yeah, I'm excited for our weekend. I'm really excited for you, for Rody, to lay eyes on 60-plus, uh, uh, looks like near 70 players north and south, compare apples to apples. It'll It'll be exciting to do that, to, to tighten up rankings, to um, uh, to just see where these kids have come since the last time we may have seen them all, whether it was an area code, games, uh, or, or whatever it might have been. So, yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to it up here. I know a lot of these kids, I keep getting emails and some calls and texts from some of the dads that are uh, that seem very excited about the opportunity. Yeah, that's what's, the vibe, what's the vibe like down there? It's pretty similar, man. I mean, you know, just kind of reaching out to players and finding out, you know, about their their pitching and this sort of deal. And kids are just seem excited, and parents are excited. I know, uh, just connecting with some of the uh, the uh, coaches of a lot of these players, it's been you know really positive re- response to it. And I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to try a few different things here uh, at this event, and I think it's just going to be two awesome events, right? I mean, we're running the one in SoCal on Saturday, head up to NorCal on Sunday. I mean, Rody's here. Shooter will be here. Uh, it's you know it's going to be a pretty big deal for us, you know, and and that's a credit to the players that we have in the event. Yeah, it is. You know, you mentioned uh, the form, little bit of format and things we'll we'll do, and you know, we've had a lot of ideas over the last year plus when we've been together, and we've talked. Hey, what if we tried this? Hey, what if we did that in a way to expose the players uh, more fully uh, to know more about them? And so I think this is a great opportunity for us to uh, to mix some of those things in and. And along with that, I think we're going to be able to, most every one of these kids, I'd, I'd be willing to bet, has been through a, a showcase scenario. They're, they're going to be really relaxed, uh, excited, but relaxed. They've been through environments before. You know how often we, we do some events with younger players. And, and a lot of the beginning part of the day is just explaining what we're doing, how we're doing it, going about it, and getting through their you know, anxieties or nerves. And that won't be the case with these guys. These guys will be ready to rip. Um, they'll see the scouts standing around looking at them. So it'll be, uh, I think it'd be more fun um, than anything. Yeah, that's that's kind of the vibe that that I have now. Uh, and you know what, Blaine, we've talked about it several times. The 
the depth of the catcher position in the 2020 class is really staggering. And uh, particularly in Northern California, where there are some really, really, really good catchers. and, and, And we're fortunate enough to have a handful of those guys coming to this event and guys like Daniel Suzak and Tyler Soderstrom and Omar Placentia and Cole Carrick. These are guys that will be at this event on Sunday. And, and, and for me looking at your roster, I'm, I'm pumped, you know, to get eyes on all of these guys, but that catcher position, I think is going to be one of the biggest challenges for us when it comes to evaluating and, you know, ultimately presenting rankings. Yeah, this is a super, super deep class. Uh, there's six kids coming to this that are their primary catchers. Uh, and, and you mentioned Carrig, uh, uh, Chris Leffel's another one. He's a, he's a left-handed hitter from Pittsburgh high going to St. Mary's, uh, very athletic and play multi-positions. Uh, you mentioned Omar Placentia. We've seen a number of times at events and I just came across uh, Omar this past weekend at uh, Barry world series. And, and he looks, he looks ready to go. Um, obviously Daniel Susak and Tyler Soderstrom are, uh, at the top of our list as far as, uh, overall talent tools, projection, uh, pro type, they'll both be there. And then another player who was on the area code underclass team last year uh, out of Atwater High, Jacob Weiss, uh, committed to Pacific is another very good, uh, catch throw catcher who's coming into, coming into his hitting ability. So we've got six kids and, you know, in, in the effort to build our roster, there was really only, uh, I want to say one catcher that, that we efforted getting. Uh, and I believe we, you know, we had actually, I know I had a commitment from him and Carson Blatnick and, uh, his dad, he were excited to come, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, he plays for a club team that chose to to not let him uh, let him attend, and that's too bad for Carson. But uh, the other six guys will be there. Yeah, that's uh, it's 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 just the depth of that position is is really impressive. And, and you mentioned Blatnick, a guy we saw uh, at the Fresno Easter classic. And I'm really bummed he won't be there because here's a guy that would, uh, you know, benefit quite a bit, I think from just this sort of setting and the environment and, and the people that'll be there, uh, to, to take it all in. But, you know, let's, let's kind of dive into some of yeah, these let's... players and, and, you know, some of these guys that, you know, I've had a chance to see and, and some of them I have not. And, you know, I'd be remiss Blaine if I didn't start with my man, had a Jesuit, uh, Luke Williams. I know he was injured uh, a good portion of the season. Is he healthy? Is he back for the event? Have you heard otherwise? So, yeah. Well, I, last time I saw him, I came across Luke. I uh, was at their quarterfinal, or I think it was a quarterfinal game uh, against Turlock. I went out to Jesuit to see that game, and Luke was there at Street Clothes uh, doing some charting and stuff behind it. So, you know, I would say it doesn't look extremely likely. Uh, I'm going to make sure Luke, uh, he's got the time. Certainly, if he's not healthy, he can come out uh, and, and meet some of the scouts and shake some hands because, you know, he'll be healthy next year. So, you know, and a big part of this, even if, you know, a player is not fully 100 percent or ready to go, um, you know, meeting the scouts and being around them and shaking their hands and, and size and being sized up by them is, is a is kind of a big deal, kind of a big part of what what these events are for the scouts. You know, honestly, that's what we're putting them on for. We're putting them on for the for the pro guys in the area, for the, for the kids there and that of that caliber but the, the guys you know looking at them play seeing their talent seeing their tools is one thing but they do like to get next to them sometimes it's strange right how players can appear to be bigger or smaller on the field than they are in person when you get next to them 
Yeah, 100%. And the old handshake test too, right? Oh yeah. That that's that's a big one and and you're you're right. It's it's funny how that is because even a guy who may not look the size that you think he is, maybe looks smaller per se. Uh I mean, he could be far more physical than he appears even yeah. though he's smaller too, right? So, yeah. yeah, the ability to be up front and up close and personal uh with these guys is is yep. one of the benefits. Yeah, let me ask you. So we, we talked about some catchers up here, and I'm looking up and down your roster, and I know some names. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the catcher position. Looks like you've got six or seven. I think seven. I just counted coming uh, down there, and uh, one I'm familiar with his last name because he's going to USF, named Tyler Embach, and I'm a USF you know, former coach and, and grad there. Uh, so that, that's got a, a warm spot in my heart. Obviously, I see a new. You got a new register, and you got Cody Kobe Crop uh, from State or Section Champ Clovis coming, and we saw Kobe. Uh, down in the Fresno Easter classes. So tell me about that that catcher group you've got down there. Yeah, we we've got some some quality depth down here uh, in the catcher group. Tyler Imbach is a guy that that I highlighted when talking with Steve here earlier, and that was just. I mean, he's a guy who was at our preseason All-State, and he's kind of taken the next step with the bat. I mean, at least he did during the spring. Our man Russ Morgan, who scouts the South Bay for us, saw him a bunch and. You know, it's a, it's a smooth swing. There's power behind it, but the catch and throw is is, is really good. Uh, Garrett Gilliman. I'm really excited to see Kobe Croft because you know we saw him three days uh, there at the Fresno Easter Classic, uh, and he's coming down. He'll be part of the the tournament here uh, that's going on here uh, at the Great Park, and he's coming down and he's going to be a part of that event as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see him in this setting because what we saw was a bat that was pretty good. It had some elements to it, right? Obviously he's incredibly physical, uh, but I, I want to see how he kind of maybe reacts to uh, velocity, velocity a little bit. Um, you know, so it, it'll be pretty interesting. One guy we didn't talk about in discussing the catcher position is Angelo Peraza. He's a San Diego commit, a 2020 out of San Augustine down in San Diego. Uh, and, and this kid, he's a uh, quarterback on the football team. He's either a quarterback or a wide receiver, but two-sport guy, stand out at both sports, really, really athletic. Uh, I'm excited to see him. I saw him in the spring uh, once or twice, excuse me, uh, and it's going to be fun to see him uh, in this particular setting. Uh, but then we also have a Grant Weiss. Uh, he's out of Valencia down here. Uh, he's a guy that comes highly recommended uh, for his bat. So, again, that position is just incredibly, incredibly stacked in the state. Awesome. That So, that yeah, that's what, 13, 12, 13 kids right there were – we're bearing down on uh, some other guys on your roster, obviously. Um, well, I guess let's ask ask you this: What what position outside of catchers we've touched on do you feel uh, is is deepest in uh, big time prospects looking ahead to the draft next year? Uh, that's a very good question. I think, you know, you have to start with the pitching position, right? I mean, Jared Jones being the right-handed pitcher, number one in the state, number two in the nation for us. Uh, he's a, obviously we all know about him, uh, but we have a right-handed pitcher at a Corona Centennial coming a kid by the name of Caleb Bennett, who is a six, two power righty with a three pitch mix, who is going to be really, really intriguing. Uh, had somewhat of an inconsistent season this year, but uh, he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, but then Christian Rodriguez, the righty out of Olu, headed to Cal State Fullerton. 
uh, you know, pumped to have him there. And then, of course, a guy we talked about and a guy I saw up in Fresno, and that's Charon Watts Brown out of Hanford up in your area, or at least in the northern part of the state, yeah. uh, north of the wall, as you would like to say. Um, yeah, so I'm pumped to see him because what I saw of him at uh, in the Fresno Easter Classic was was really, really intriguing. How about you? Let's flip. Let's flip the question on you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I do think it's the honestly, I think it's the catcher spot, and we and we hit on those guys. But you know, there, there's a lot of pitching coming um, up here. You know, we're gonna we're we're gonna have a chance to see a lot of arms. Uh, the kids are gonna get a lot of a lot of at bats against some live looks, and I do like I do like some of the pitching that, that we're gonna see. And there's a couple of uh, kids that may not be, um, uh, lack of a better term, household names, but. Um, though they are well known, I mean, Isaac Aon is a player we've seen a right hander out of Buchanan who's got good stuff, big time body, uh, heavy fastball, can really spin the breaking ball, uh, pitches with some attitude. Um, you know, there's a lefty that that I saw in the spring uh, out of Capital Christian in Sacramento named Rio Britton, and you know, Rio's he's certainly not super well known. He does have some recruiting interest right now. He's a classic lefty, long, lean, loose, limber. Uh, the ball is just live out of his hand, and man, can he spin a breaking ball with with two plane sharp knee buckling break and, and he's a little bit of a product right now he doesn't have maybe the experience uh, maybe the full uh, awareness of even who he himself is and could be but this is one when you know when you're a scout and you look at young players and you know some are earlier developers some are slower developers but some you just look at them and go okay if that all hits that's exactly what they look like when they're when they're this age so for me Rio was one of those kids um you know Trevin Crowley out of Hillmar is a two-sport athlete uh, quarterback on their on their football team. He's also a, a two position baseball player, shortstop, left handed hitter. But he's coming mostly as a primary PO. And I saw him at Boz this last weekend at Barrier World Series, and uh, it was a late night game on Saturday night. It might have been getting close to eleven o'clock, and uh, he was bumping ninety, um, a little short knee lift, whip quick arm, uh, and just pitches with a lot of aggression and athleticism. So uh, there's some pitchers I think that got a chance to really really pop. Uh, Andy Owen came on. Less with a with a big time second half of the spring season uh, for Jesuit. Uh, he's a commit to, to USC um, presently. I mean, well, well, well he, yes, he is USC. He was Cal, but um, now he's at USC. But Andy started bumping up around ninety one, touching some ninety twos in the spring, uh, and his breaking balls improved. Um, a player that we saw another another dual position player, TJ Nichols. Um, I know you're excited to see TJ again because we saw him, we saw him nudge ninety three down there at the Fresno Easter Classic. So. Uh, Jonathan Sarmiento is a big physical boy out of uh, Kimball High School out there, uh, Tracy area. Um, big body, big arm, uh, can rip it. So there are some guys. Uh, Colt Tremaine, I'm really excited to see another dual position shortstop pitcher uh, out of Vista Del Lago going to UC Santa Barbara. So that's three. And then you got Cameron Walt. He's another dual position player out of Kasuma. So that's like four dual guys, right? These kids will all play positions next year as seniors, uh, important positions for their team, three of them at, at shortstop. But they also pitch. And so these are the kind of guys the scouts just really love to get into. Athletes, um, if the bat plays, they got a future maybe with the bat. But if it doesn't, uh, that athleticism and that good arm that plays on the left side and goes on the mound, and, and then you've got maybe something real special. Yeah, no doubt. One of the guys that uh, you, you didn't mention there, there's actually a couple guys you didn't mention there in, in that I, I cannot wait to see because it seems like uh, every time I talk to you or I talk to Ryan, these guys' names come up. And, uh, you know, that's Kreznak out of Akalani's and York out of Midi. Uh, oh. You know, the shortstop in York going to Arizona and uh, Kreznak, the third baseman, going to Washington. These are guys that... 
I mean, for a lack of better terms, our household names, at least in our households, they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm pumped to see these guys kind of go through this process and really kind of break them down uh, in, in this sort of setting. Uh, you know, you have, it seems like the entire uh, 2020 class for St. Mary's coming yeah. uh, for, for this event. Uh, and one of the guys, uh, yeah, exactly. One of the guys that, that I'm pumped uh, in that group is uh, Cameron Walty, the right-handed pitcher out of Kasumnas Oaks. And uh, I, I'm excited to get eyes on him. And, you know, just like you said, uh, or like I said on the other two guys, one of those guys that seemingly his name comes up frequently in conversations uh, uh, with us. And then, and then the other guy, the the you know, you talk about guys that kind of fly under the radar and develop a little later. And this guy, uh, while committed, uh, you know, plays at a smaller school in a kind of an outskirts area. And that's uh, Michael Mugen out of Monterey. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped to see his bat and see where it is compared to the last time I saw him. Yeah, Michael's a good athlete. He's one of the many good athletes here. He's a right-right outfielder, uh, runs well, throws well. Uh, there is some bat talent there. Um, you know, he's a he's a passionate kid. He plays real hard. He's I know he's super excited to come out. So not the biggest guy, but he's got some he's got some tools at play. And um, yeah, like you said, out in Monterey, there's it's a little bit a little bit more remote out there. But Monterey has had plenty of good players over the years, and the scouts are certainly um, aware of the area. So. Michael will be one uh, that they'll get a look at. I just, I just, it, we could go on every one of these players here less and just spend, you know, three or four or five minutes on each one of these kids and their own individual traits and assets. You talk about tools and, and like moving Kenny DeSell out of Vacaville High. I mean, he's going to be a head turner. Trust me. A uh, basketball player who's now transitioning to full-time baseball. He's not just a kid who plays basketball. He led a good team in scoring. Um, he can jump. He can run. He's going to put up big exit speed numbers. He's going to run real well in the 60. He's going to let the ball go out of his hand in the in the mid-80s, very likely, um, maybe better. This is just a tooled-up uh, uh, athlete who's now come into his own as a, as a baseball player. Speaking of, of athletes like that, uh, who are the kind of guy? Who are the guys down there that, that I'm going to you know hear about? Like maybe he's a, a dual sport kid, or do you have any of those that in this class? Not a ton of dual sport guys, but a, a, a ton of athletes. And, you know, one of those guys for me is Brett McCauley. He's a outfielder, a 2020 outfielder headed to Oregon at a Redondo Union. This guy, I mean, he runs, he can hit the ball, he can hit the ball with some power, uh, you know, big arm in the outfield. Just a really, really solid player who has is just fundamentally sound and, and who's really come into his own this year. Another guy who's really come into his own this year is Kyle Karros out of Miracosta. Uh, he's a UCLA commit. And yes, it, it is Eric Karros' son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's, you know, he's a big guy, 6'3", 6'4", pretty light. He was coming into the year pretty light, but uh, uh, last time I saw him, he look, you know, he looks like he's added a little bit of weight. So he's probably in the 180, 85 area. Uh, really, his defense at third base has definitely took the next step. Uh, his bat showed flashes of taking the next step this year, uh, but he's a guy who who should be, uh, uh, you know, pretty highly regarded after this summer going into uh, his senior year. And then uh, Dalen Reyes is a middle infielder out of Notre Dame High School. You know, super athletic guy, also going to UCLA. Uh, and his teammate out of Notre Dame High School, Devin Ornelas, another middle infielder, uh, going to TCU. Uh, they'll be there. And, and these guys are just twitchy, hyper-athletic guys uh, that will will certainly have an opportunity to hear their names called, uh, you know, next year in, in the draft. 
that's exciting. Yeah, Notre Dame's got three guys on your roster here. Um, I'm going to circle back for just a half a second and, and hit on a couple. You, you mentioned Nick York, uh, and I kind of I saw Nick's younger brother, Zachary, this last week in a Bayer World Series. And, you know, the New York family's well-regarded, well-known in Northern California, and, and not just because they're all good players. Um, they just have this, they have this crazy baseball energy about them. And, and I can't wait for you to be around Nick on the field, just hear him talk and hear him interact with teammates. Then watch how players respond to him because – Ultimately, you know, tools are what kids get kids uh, noticed, get them the opportunities to play professional baseball and major college baseball. But beyond that, separators start to show up and some of the intangibles, um, you know, whether it's energy, whether it's passion, uh, intelligence, aptitude, whatever it might be. And uh, Nick has all these in spades. You know, the story of the York, the York family, their mother, Robin, you know, four time uh, All-American softball player and, and basically taught that her, her son's the game. Um, Nick is one that, you know, it's funny when you talk to scouts, we're talking about serious players. You know, they've already made their mind up about a certain tool uh, or talent and where that might go. Then they start asking the question. They say, hey, what do you think of the kid? You know, wh- what do you got in this guy? And I'm, the th- only thing I've ever said about Nick York is uh, I think he's got big league makeup. Uh, and I think that's one of the highest compliments a- a- any scout could ever pay uh, to, a, to a prospect. And he is, uh, he is 100% that. Yeah, I, I like, I cannot wait to see that guy. And like you said, be around him, be on the field with him, just kind of interact with him and, and engage with him a little bit. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. Blaine on Sunday up at Delta College. I can't wait to get up there. Blaine, I want to just say thanks for for taking some time to hop on with me and, and breaking down the NorCal Pro Case and uh, you know some of the players that we should look forward to seeing here on Sunday. Appreciate it, Les. We'll see you in a couple of days. Good luck on sun, uh, Saturday. Be looking forward to hearing how it went, and uh, and then we'll get together on some format stuff, and uh, we'll break this whole thing down. All right, buddy. We'll see you on Sunday. Okay, bye-bye. I want to thank my guests, Steve Doherty, Nathan Rohde, and Blaine Clemens for coming on the podcast today to share some insight on the upcoming events this weekend. Be sure to hit up prepbaseballreport.com slash California for all your news, information, and ranking updates throughout the state of California. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard.